Greetings and welcome to In Tune with VHBC, a podcast about music and worship at Vestavia Hills Baptist Church. I'm Marty Watts, Minister of Music at VHBC. On today's episode, I'll share about the hymn Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee and talk with Dave Johnson. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. Now let's get in tune. I'm glad to be able to share with you today about the hymn, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. This wonderful hymn explores the praise of all creation for its creator and allows us to join with all of creation in praising God. The text was written in 1907 by Henry Van Dyke. Uh, Henry Van Dyke was a graduate of Princeton University and Princeton Theological Seminary. He then went on to be a professor of English literature at Princeton and uh, a lecturer at the University of Paris and also appointed by President Woodrow Wilson to become minister to the Netherlands and Luxembourg. He was involved in all sorts of literary arts he was the chair of the committee that wrote the first Presbyterian liturgy book, the Book of Common Worship, in 1906. He also had two popular Christmas stories, The Other Wise Man and The First Christmas Tree. He also wrote other poems and hymns and essays. His most well-known hymn text, of course, is Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, which Van Dyke wrote specifically to be sung to the tune Ode to Joy or Hymn to Joy, written by Beethoven and used in his Ninth Symphony. The Ninth Symphony of Beethoven was written while he was deaf. There is some disagreement about how deaf he was and which registers he could and couldn't hear, but uh, he definitely was relying on his musical genius and his inner ear to be able to compose this piece and so many others. There is discussion among folks interested in congregational singing and hymnologists about the adaptation of this tune from Beethoven's Ninth Symphony for congregational singing, in particular a unique musical feature that appeared in the original Ninth Symphony that Uh, many hymnals have changed. That is, there's a pickup note or a syncopated entrance uh, going from the end of the third line into the fourth line. That is to say that there is a chord that comes in at the end of the third line going into the fourth line that feels like it doesn't follow the strong beats that we have in the rest of the hymn. One side of the argument would say that the syncopated pickup note should be included, uh, that it uh, allows the tune to be sung in the way that it was originally written. The other side of that argument, of course, is that a hymn tune should follow the strong beats and be accessible to folks no matter their musical skill, and uh, that that syncopated rhythm uh, is more likely to trip people up as they're singing. Our Celebrating Grace hymnal does include the unsyncopated version of the tune, and I think many more hymnals have that unsyncopated version than they do a syncopated version. 
the more complex rhythmic version. Whichever version you learned or sing today, uh, I'm glad that we have this hymn in our repertoire, uh, a hymn with beautiful words of praise for our Creator and a wonderful rousing tune that energizes and brings praise to God. If you have a hymn to suggest that we explore in a future episode of this podcast, be sure to email me at marty at vhbc.com. These weekly conversations have been such a blessing to me to get to uh, chat with different folks in our music ministry, and I'm glad uh, to have today Dave Johnson. Welcome, Dave. Thank you. Good to see you. Glad, glad for you to be with me. Thanks for taking time to do this today. Um, I, I know that um, the uh, beginning of a semester is a, a uh, busy time for yeah. an educator, so right, uh, right. especially appreciate you doing that. Sure, sure. Um, well, well, tell us a little bit about uh, what you're involved with uh, at church at Vestavia Hills Baptist, uh, music or otherwise, and we'll start from there. Okay, well, uh, as you know, I'm in the uh, chapel, the, the uh, uh, worship choir, and I uh, really enjoy singing bass in, in, the, in the congregational choir. I guess uh, other than that, I have uh, one very important responsibility, and that is uh, during the regular year, I every week, Wednesday evening, I uh, retrieve the cupcake carrier for uh, Robin, who makes thousands of cupcakes for the uh, Love Lady Center. So, uh, a minor deal, but uh, that's some, something that uh, I contribute my little bit to. So, <laughs> well, that's an important ministry that uh, you were able to support. <laughs> And you also sing with the uh, men's quartet. Yes, when, uh, yes, yes. When that gets going again, right? I really enjoy singing with those guys. Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. I have never really sung yeah. that style of sort of a, a quartet music a lot before. I've done a little bit, and I've always enjoyed it when I when mm-hmm. I've gotten the chance. So yeah, that, that's a lot of fun. I had um, well, I was a college student interning, doing a sun, summer internship at my home church, and the barber shop convention was doing their annual <laughs> uh, having their annual convention right. and i got to uh experience some of that and <laughs> that um like you know other kind of men's quartets it's just um a unique skill yeah. uh, that you have to have to be able to do that and to to find your not only your pitch but to do the uh, blending um right, right. that way so that, i think that's great uh, good good uh, good challenge a fun experience yeah yeah so tell me a little bit about your music background and um how you decided to get involved in the music ministry well um i'm an amateur musician but uh, uh i we had a violin in my home and all three of us boys were made to to uh, take violin lessons and i'm the only one that ever took on i i kind of continued it through high school never got very good at it but had had some fun there when i got in high school playing in musicals and that kind of stuff and then pretty much dropped it to be honest but we had a music director in our church 
who was a real musician. Um, I was in a sort of a pioneer missionary of Washington State, and he was a seminary-trained musician, uh, got his degree from Southwestern uh, Seminary, and moved to Seattle and uh, took a job with Boeing uh, as an engineer, but really as a call from God to be a music minister. So he was pretty much our uh, professional full-time uh, uh, music minister for either no pay or very little pay and he had he uh, he was uh, believed in teaching everyone that came through his choirs beginning with our we called it carol choir the the young the the, the, kid, the little kids kids choir teaching them music and so it was the music lessons and he also had, believed in teaching everyone how to direct music and he said you never know when it's going to come in handy well I guess uh, in my case, it really turned out to be true because um, when we, uh, when I took my first job in Minnesota and went up there to another pioneer missionary, our little church, uh, uh, it didn't have a music director, and so I became the default because I was the only one that had any wow. interest at all. I became the default choir director for for the years for the ten years we were there, and we did we did a lot of kind of fun things then. Uh, and then when we went uh, when we went overseas as missionaries, uh, the same experience. I, I had uh, I've kept finding my place myself in places where very very small congregations that, but they wanted something in the way of maybe a, a, a music director or or a choir, and so I uh, ended up doing music for the English Vesper service on Sunday evenings was kind of from, from all the, the people in the area. And then for our, our church, started a small choir uh, there. So uh, he, he, really was, he really was correct in, in, uh, in, in uh, saying you never know, how, you know you're, you're, where you're going to find yourself that you're going to need your music ability. So I'm really great for having that, that experience from, from a, a really great musician. So many folks, in as I've had these conversations, have mentioned the the profound influence music in church mm -hmm. as a child right. has had right. on them as adults uh, in in different ways. Right. But um, that's been right. been uh, a, a thread through all these right. conversations. That that just reminds me. I I heard something from. Wesley a couple of years ago that I had never heard before. You know, he's a he's now a professional musician. He's, he he has his doctorate in in music composition, but he said that at some point he really got an interest in music from just sitting next next to Robin in worship service and hearing her sing alto, and he thought, oh. That's different from what everybody else is doing. And that was one of his very first, a very small child, one of his very first interests in music was, was again, through, through uh, worship service and, and congregational singing. So, um, you spent some time as a missionary. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and about what you're, what you're doing now. Well, uh, what I do now, I guess, is related to that. Uh, my my uh, expertise is actually, I'm actually a biologist. I'm a geneticist, and uh, I had felt as growing up, I felt I felt a a call to something. And my my father was a pastor, and so everybody just assumed I was going to become a pastor, and that just never sounded right. But I I didn't know what it was. And so I kept feeling more and more that maybe it was something in the area of missions. And 
I ended up coming south. We were living in Washington State, coming south and going to Samford, uh, which was my my dad's alma mater. It was Howard College way back then. But uh, uh, and f- part of the reason being so I could maybe kind of get that call a little clearer and know what what it was that I was supposed to be doing. And uh, over those years, uh, it became clear that it was missions and met and fell in love with my soulmate, Robin, and found out that she also uh, was uh, interested in, in missions and had felt the call to missions. So, so that, that um, went ahead and I, I got a doctorate, I got a master's at Emory, excuse me, a master's at Samford in biology and a doctorate in Emory in genetics and got a teaching job up in Minnesota. All the time keeping this in the back of our minds um, that there was this, this call to missions, but uh, as you might imagine, a biologist missionary isn't the kind of person that they have just positions for everywhere. So we went through the process after I got a couple of years of teaching experience behind me. We went through the process up to a certain point uh, with, with our with the it was then the Foreign Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention, and. Uh, they said, well, we, we won't proceed any further until there's actually a position. And so, every year, I would get this call from our representative saying, well, we haven't forgotten about you, but there's really nothing out there that, that matches you. And then to kind of make a long, it's kind of a long story, but <laughs> to make a long story not quite so, so long, um, my father had retired and had done some volunteer mission work, including a year in Japan. And, uh, oh, you know, I think this was, I, I can't remember the, the timing exactly, but he had someone in his church, I guess this was after that, who, who had, that he knew from Japan. And that person said, you know, we are looking for a geneticist missionary. And he said, well, that is strange. My son is a geneticist and he's a volunteer with the, with the mission board. And so he called me and, to be real honest, at that point, it was going on 10 years, and I had kind of put that call on the back burner. And uh, I really said, well, okay, I'll I'll look into it. And I called up the mission board, and they said, we don't know what you're talking about. And so I, I kind of just went, okay, well, you know, maybe, 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 that, maybe that really wasn't anything. And then with, after I hung up, maybe in 10 minutes, I got this call back saying, there is a position. And on paper, it looks like you're just a perfect match for it. And again, I, my, my short start, long story is becoming too long, but uh, uh, I was really at that point in a position where I thought, okay, we were ready to do this 10 years ago. All right? It's kind of late now. And, and so we kind of both had to reach the position where we were ready to go again. <laughs> we had to almost be recalled. But uh, we got to that point, and from there, things proceeded very, very quickly. And I guess if, I was, if there was ever any doubt that this was, this, even though the timing wasn't what we had, had, had uh, figured on, because after 10 years, we were pretty well, set, well settled in our career. But, um, but if there was ever any doubt that this was the right thing, after, during our appointment service, the, the person who was the head of the personnel group said, you know, when I took your resume 
and put it on the table and laid it down against the request that we got from the field, you would have thought that they read your resume before they wrote out their request because it was just it was just a perfect match. And so it turned out that there really was a position for a geneticist missionary. So we we uh, went went to Japan. Uh, I. We spent two years in language school, and then I started teaching at uh, Seinan Gakuin University in southern Japan, which is actually the Baptist University in, for, the, for the National Convention, the Japan Baptist Convention in, in Japan. So I taught there for uh, almost 20 years before coming back to teach at Samford. Wow. So I'm sort of doing the same thing. So almost 20 years in Japan and then yes. back to Samford. Yes, yes, right, yeah. right. Uh, we, we were actually in Japan for 21 and a half years, but taking out two years for language school, I taught for uh, 19 uh, and a half okay. years at, the, at that university. So. Yeah. Well, and now how long have you been at Sanford? It's now been, let's see, we came back in 2008, so that's been all, going on 12 years now, over, over 11 years wow. now. So, yeah, I've been back. That's great. So, that's yeah. great. Do you keep your uh, Japanese up? Not really. Uh, I am surprised that it does come back. I've made uh, one trip. Uh, Wesley uh, went to teach in Malaysia. Uh, I taught four years at a university in in Malaysia, uh, composition and other other music skills. And then, and we ended up meeting in Japan. So we went on a. We're both baseball baseball nuts, and so we went on a Japan baseball tour. And I was pleasantly surprised that back in the environment, how much at least came back to me in, in that situation. That, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. And we have contacts that write to us in Japanese, and so we we have to keep it up a little bit that way too. So, yeah, yeah. Well, you've mentioned uh, your son Wesley. Tell tell us a little about uh, about your family. Okay, uh, I my. My wife, Robin, as I said, we met at Samford. Uh, she had her degree in ed- elementary education and taught for a couple of years uh, in, in Atlanta and tried to get a job in, in, the, north, in, in the frozen north, but uh, uh, that's another story I won't go into. <laughs> but uh, uh, then we have, we have two children. Our, our daughter, uh, Jenny, lives in... Um, just outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, her and her husband, and they have our, our two grandchildren are, are there in Tulsa. And then Wesley is, is younger, and um, he got his, um, he, he went to uh, William Jewell College and got interested in music. He was always interested in music, but he got interested in composition, and then uh, got a doctorate from the um, well, he got a master's degree from UMKC, University of Missouri, Kansas City Conservatory, and then he went to Hawaii and got his doctorate in composition in Hawaii, and then uh, started looking for jobs and found one in, in Malaysia, and actually taught there for four years, and then um, at the end of that four-year period, came back here just in time for a virus to show up and to kind of halt everything. <laughs> yes, right. uh, He's been here a little while before the well, virus hit. <laughs> Well, I have to say, Wesley uh, was a, uh, a tremendous uh, resource when we did our virtual choir project back in July. He, uh, you know, spent, uh, I'm sure, countless hours mm. getting that uh, 
to a point where it was a, a beautiful presentation. And so I'm, I'm grateful for Wesley uh, doing that uh, and look forward to being able to do that again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, I have concluded each of these podcast episodes with um, sort of the opportunity for folks to reflect on the second half of John 10.10, where Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly, or life to the full, or mm-hmm. um, lots of different translations. Right. So, I'll ask you, Dave, what's bringing you life these days? Wow. <laughs> there's, there's a lot. Um, I, I guess there's a, there's a big answer to that question, and then there's kind of the specific day-to-day stuff. Um, the, looking back on my life, the, the big answer is I'm just overwhelmed again and again how following God's will has brought so many fantastic things into my life. Uh, you know, I guess, to be honest, growing up, my, my I don't know where I got this, but my, my basic idea was, you know, you can either have fun in life or you can enjoy, or you can follow God's will. And, you know, and I, and I thought, okay, well, God's calling me to something. There goes all the fun. Now, no one ever said that to me, but I don't know where, where I picked up that idea. But um, as I look back, just, just um, without going into a lot of details, as I look back on my life and I think, wow, I can't believe I got to do that, or I got to go there. I actually saw that. Almost every one of those things is something that has to do with our answering the call to missions and and the the excitement and the, the amazing things. The there's been some hardships, there's been some hard times too, but but the fantastic things and, and the fullness of life, you know, it, it was just been fantastic from following God's will. So that you know, even even Sort of an ordinary, everyday Christian like me. I know sometimes people think that missionaries are special Christians, and I can tell you they aren't. They're just Christians that were asked to do something on the other side of the world rather than here. But, uh, but uh, the, the doing doing that has been has been has brought so many blessings into my life that I can't I can't even begin to count them. So that that that's just been fantastic. The the more day to day answer to that like right now during during all this time what what's bringing me fullness of life is really the simple mundane simple things of life and that's just getting to spend time well the only people i can spend time with <laughs> these days is my family and uh, you know finding finding uh that you know that uh, person that i said was kind of my soulmate that uh, at the beginning of all this, I guess I was thinking, you know, what's going to happen? You know, I wasn't thinking it was going to be months and months, but, you know, are we going to drive each other crazy just being around each other all the time? And I probably drive them crazy, but, uh, but it's, been, it's been such a joy, and I've have, I have so much fun just doing the simple things, enjoy with them. I mean, I'm not talking about anything fancy. I'm talking about sitting around watching movies and um, performing our own version of uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. I don't know if you know that. There was a there was a there was a program where they would sit around and and uh, make comments on movies and you know and and we we do the, we do that kind of stuff and just just spending time together uh, has has been such a blessing. 
and getting and getting to spend that time with our son um you know when we were in Japan at age 14 he decided that his education would be served best if he went to the boarding school rather than our sort of insufficient school that we had in town and so he went off to Kobe and we would end up seeing during the school year you know two two or three times and so one of the hardest things we ever did was to send our 14 year off 14 year old off it didn't help any that right that first year they had Kobe had the the at that time the second worst earthquake Japan had ever had and he was right in the middle of it but but that was that was a really hard thing was missing missing those years of his growing up and so I kind of feel like we're being rewarded now 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 that he's an adult and he's back home you know just just getting to spend time with him now uh much to the chagrin of Robin, you'll, she'll tell you that we spent a lot of that time watching baseball games, and so we're we're we're, we're glad we we can do that. Um, and so, uh, so I, I I'll have to tell you one little joke there on on the baseball side. Uh, I I forgot which brave it was. Some brave was saying something about, and I, and I shared this with Robin. It's something about, oh, I'm so glad. I, I know my father is, or my mother is, looking down from heaven and and watching me here on the field. And Robin said, "Oh no, do you mean that means I'm going to have to watch baseball from heaven too?" So, so anyhow, <laughs> but we we ended we ended up a lot of times just doing that kind of stuff together. But it's just those simple. Everyday family things that have that have really been a blessing to me over the, in this in this time. So, yeah, that's my day to day answer. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much for um, sharing a little bit about your your life and your family. Oh, thank and, you, uh, all those things, and um, you know, uh, I hope that this coming semester at Sanford goes well with. Mm. Um, you know, uh, all everything that's going on and um, just appreciate you taking time to talk with <laughs> okay. me Okay. Thanks a lot. I hope you'll consider subscribing to this podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. This episode will conclude with an organ arrangement of Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, played by our church's own Beth McGinnis. Beth McGinnis.